Well, there's a few times where I stand on this stage and I feel like, man, I'm an expert at what I'm talking about and I've mastered it. And as we start a four-week ser- series on parenting today, this is not one of those times at all. I mean, not even, not even close. Uh, I, after being a father to two teenage daughters now and, and watching a lot of other parents, working with a lot of other parents, I've learned a few things about parenting over the years. First thing I learned, parenting is really hard. And it's really hard because you're dealing with living human beings with different personalities and desires and wills and strengths. And I mean, I can say one thing to one daughter and it totally inspires her. And I can say the other thing to my other daughter and she's crying. Like it's just parenting's hard. The other thing I've learned is the older I get, the harder it gets. And the more I realize I don't know what I'm doing. Like when our, when we had our first daughter, you know, 16 and a half years ago, we thought we had it all figured out. This thing was going to be awesome. I quickly realized we were not prepared and we had no, no idea what we were doing. And the longer I've been a parent, the more I've realized just because I had a parent didn't mean I knew anything about parenting. And just because I once was a kid didn't mean I knew anything about raising a kid. I mean, the only people in this world who thinks parenting is easy and thinks that they know everything about parenting are those who aren't parents. And, every, and those are the people that want to give you advice on parenting. And I just want to punch them right in their pie hole every time they open their face. Because I'm like, you don't know anything, you know. The other thing I've learned about parenting is being a parent, it's the most important job I'll ever have. And if you're a parent, it's the most important job you'll ever have. The day that you had a child, God himself gave you the most important responsibility that you will ever have. And that is being a parent of that child. Now, you may be a lot of things to a lot of people, but you're the only parent to that child. The day, if you're a parent, the day you had a child, God allowed one of his children. I mean, get this. He allowed one of his children to be under your care and your direction and your authority. Which means how you parent your child has huge implications for you. God will hold you and me accountable for how our parenting affects our children because ultimately they are one of his children. And here's the other thing I've learned about parenting. I've learned no one has the potential to influence a child more than a parent. For all of us as parents, we've got to realize, you're not raising a child. You're raising a future adult. And here's what you've got to know. Every child will end up as a generous or greedy adult. As a wise or foolish adult. As a loving or hateful adult. As a hardworking or lazy adult. As a respectful or disrespectful adult. As a God-honoring or self-absorbed adult adult. And you know, you want your child to end up at good, healthy, wise destinations spiritually and physically and morally and financially and mentally. The question is, will they? More importantly, will they arrive at the destinations their heavenly father wants them to arrive at? More than any other factor, friends, social media, school, church, what you do as a parent greatly influence the destinations that your children arrive at as adults. For good or bad, no one has the potential to influence your child more than you. Starting to feel any pressure yet? You should, and it's why we're doing this series. Uh, I believe in order for our children to arrive at the destinations that we and our Heavenly Father desire for them, many of us, we just need to change our approach a little bit. 
See, for many of us, our approach to parenting is often random and reactive. Therefore, we parent by experiment. And that's just a bad approach. That's a bad approach since no one has the potential to influence your child more than you. I believe a better approach is to parent with the end in mind. Parenting with the end in mind is knowing the destinations that we, and more importantly, our Heavenly Father desires for our children as adults, and then intentionally parenting to lead them toward that. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to shift our approach to parenting with the end in mind in a few critical areas. A few critical areas that make or break our children arriving at the destinations that we and our Heavenly Father desires for them. But a few things before I launch into this. First, this series will be much more practical than theological because, let's be honest, application makes all the difference. The, the practical application that I suggest is exactly that. It is suggestions. I just said, I am not perfect at this. None of this is perfect suggestions. These are just suggestions that come from things that I've learned as a parent, from working with other parents, from watching other parents, from uh, being a a student of parents, for, for me, a student of parent, uh, parenting for many, many years. So, but they're not perfect suggestions. The second thing I want to say before we launch into this series is doing everything I suggest will not guarantee anything, will not make parenting any less hard, or will, or will not cause any less struggle or worry as a parent. But I can promise you this, applying what we talk about will definitely influence your t- child toward a better and healthier destination. Last thing I want to say is this series, series is obviously for parents, but it is also for anyone who's about to be a parent, hopes to be a parent, is helping another parent with parenting, or is watching your own kids be parents. This series is for anyone who, who, who feels the weight and the responsibility of positively influencing a child, an infant, a teen, a student, which means this series is for small group leaders, coaches, aunts and uncles, grandparents, mentors, teachers. And this series is also for those of you who are still children, those of you who are middle school and high school students. And here's why. Because the destinations you arrive at in the next season or two of life will be greatly determined by how you navigate today through these critical areas that we're talking about. So I pray that you really key in on this series as well. Now today, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the most important area of every person's life, not just a child's life. And the area we're talking about is faith. Now, you know this. This is not actually really an area. I mean, a person's faith should permeate through every area of life. And every area of our lives should be impacted and directed by our faith. But I'm specifically talking about it in this series because your child's faith is impacting them today and will impact their future physically, morally, financially, mentally, emotionally, more than you can possibly imagine. Now here's the deal. If the God of the Bible is real, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, if God really did create us to be in an an intimate relationship with him, if our sin really does break relationship with Holy Creator God and separates us from him in this life and the next, if Jesus really did come on a mission to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with our Heavenly Father in this life and the next, if Jesus really did die on the cross for our sins and defeat death by rising from the grave, if it's true that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone, like the writers of the New Testament tell us, then... What matters more than anything is that my 
is that yours and it's that our children have a saving relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Here's my question, though. In regards to your child's faith, parents, in regards to your child's faith, what destination do you want them to arrive at? What destination do you want them to arrive at? Now, you may have never thought of that before, but you want them to arrive somewhere. It's, it's why you're here. And I can guarantee where you don't want them to arrive at is, a, is dead religion. Where they just believe in God and they're hoping to do enough to get to heaven someday. Where they got to live by these religious rules and if they don't, you know, God might spite them and have wrath upon them. And God's completely irrelevant in their lives. They don't feel him. They don't sense him. They're just trying to live up to him. That's not what you want. You, you want them to have a real and authentic and a growing relationship with God. You want to end up at a destination where this is a relationship where they see and experience and feel God in their lives. A relationship defined by unshakable faith and unshakable trust in God. And you want that for them? Because let's be honest, that's what you want for you as well. And your and their heavenly father wants that for them as well. And so much more. He desires them to end up at a destination where they know and feel his extravagant love for them. He desires that they love him with everything, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and strength by taking next steps to follow Jesus in every area of their life. He desires to transform them into everything he's created them to be so they experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and purpose that only he can give. But here's the reality that every parent's got to know. Parents are primarily responsible for leading their children toward Jesus. Listen, you're not responsible for their faith. You're not responsible for them putting their faith in Jesus. You're not responsible for them taking next steps to follow Jesus. That, they have to make all those decisions on their own. But you and I are responsible for leading them toward Jesus. Toward who Jesus is. Toward what faith in him means and why that's important, how and why to put our, their faith in him. Toward how to ha take next steps to follow Jesus and grow in a relationship with him. Listen, any parent who has any faith in Jesus at all intuitively knows this on some level. It's why so many, after, so many people after they have a baby go, we should probably start going to church again. Like we haven't been going, it hasn't been that important, but we had a baby, now we should probably start going again. I mean, many parents, maybe you, have concluded the church is primarily responsible for leading their children toward Jesus. And that's why well, we should probably start going. And then, and then from there, kind of like, some, you know, for some, of, some parents, you start bringing your kids when nothing else is going on, when there's no baseball games, football games, basketball games, volleyball games. And then others, you're like, whew, church is responsible. I got to get them in there. So you make them come to everything and never allow them to miss anything. And you're, wherever you're at in that spectrum, you're just like, I hope those people at church do what they're supposed to do so that, you know, my kid gets something out of it and hopefully goes toward Jesus. Parents, this is so important. You got to get this. Parents are primarily responsible for leading their children toward Jesus. Not, the church is not primarily responsible. You cannot outsource the faith of your children to the church because you're primarily responsible for it, not the church. I believe one, of the, one, of the, one reason why so many young people walk away from faith later in life is because parents are not doing what they're primarily responsible for doing. I mean, the two most powerful influences that help children develop faith are parents and the church. And when they work together, 
They can make a greater impact than if they work alone. However, the primary responsibility is the parents. It always has been the parents' primary responsibility because that's the way that God designed it. There's actually a passage in the book of Deuteronomy that clearly shows that. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of our Bible, fifth book in the Old Testament. And the events of Deuteronomy happened over a thousand years before the life of Jesus. However, hundreds of years before Deuteronomy was ever written, God promised the Hebrew people who became known as the Israelites, who became known as the Jews, that they would be his people and, they would, and he would be their God. And part of that promise was that he would give them their own land, referred to as the promised land. The problem was that for 400 years, the Israelites found themselves as slaves in Egypt. And as you can imagine, the longer they were slaves, the more their trust in God wavered. Finally, after 400 years, God sent a man named Moses to deliver them from slavery and lead them out uh, of Egypt to, to the promised land. After Moses led them out uh, of Egypt through a series of what can only be described as supernatural events, God gave the Israelites laws and commands for how to live as his chosen people. And if you were to narrow down what God was trying to communicate through these 600 plus laws and commands, it was this, trust and obey. Trust and obey, trust and obey. And this came with a promise. If you trust and obey, I will bless you. I will bless you in such a way that people will know I'm the one true God and that you are my people. Well, after they came out of Egypt, their faith in God, man, it started off strong. But it didn't take long for them not to trust and obey. So instead of taking them immediately to the promised land, God led them to the desert, the nastiest, the worst, the hottest place on earth with very little food, very little water to wander for 400 years. I mean, every day they didn't know what they would eat. They didn't know what they would drink. They didn't know how they would survive. They were utterly helpless and dependent upon God for everything, which was the main point of why God led them there to begin with. God led them to the desert and kept them there for 40 years to teach them to trust him alone, to teach them that he could be trusted to provide for their every need, and he would if they obeyed him. And God did provide for their every need. While they were in the desert for those 40 years, God literally provided food from heaven called manna and water to supernaturally flow out of a rock so they could drink. And the Israelites learned a valuable lesson while they were in the desert. The lesson they learned was, we have a need, God provides. We have a need, God provides. They learned to connect the dots that when they had a need to trust and obey, and when they trusted and obeyed, God provided. After 40 years in the desert, after they learned to trust and obey, after they developed unwavering faith in God, the day had finally arrived to enter the promised land. However, before they did, Moses gathered everyone together one final time to remind them of a few things. And Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is essentially the speech that he gave the people. And Moses begins by recounting their journey and reminding them of the covenants they made with God. And then in chapter 6, he abruptly switched focus, focuses. And he addressed, he addressed how they would need to become intent about prioritizing, transferring their faith to their children and the generations to come. He knew too much was at stake to let this fall by the wayside. So this was one of the first things that he addressed. And here's what he said. He said, here... Listen, don't forget, hear, O Israel. And guys, real quick, it's easy to assume that because there's so much language about family and children that follows that Moses was only talking to parents. But as you can see here, Moses was speaking to 
all of Israel. He was talking to every parent and everyone else in the community, even though the parents were primarily responsible for what was to follow. And the same is true today. We are all responsible to help lead the children and the students of Relevant Community Church toward Jesus, even though the parents are primarily responsible. So he says, hear, O Israel, and this is a key phrase, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moses is going, listen, everything I have said and everything I will say hinges on this one essential truth, that our God is God. Our God is God, and my, and our, and your, and your children's faith in him is what's most important. Because of that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you to, are to be upon your hearts. And guys, that I'm going to come back to the importance of that statement before we close out. But he goes on. Impress, which means diligently train, teach, lead toward. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, talk about them when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and get tattoos on your, no, that was my part. Uh, <laughs> write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I mean, Moses. He was determined to ensure that the next generation had a faith as practical and as dynamic as the current generation. But he seems to be making the point that it really doesn't matter what our kids know if they don't, if they don't know what's most important. So Moses goes, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget what's most important for your children. See, over time, you know this. Over time, it's easy to start thinking the most important thing for our children is to play on the right team, Attend the right college, find the right career, marry the right spouse, live in the right neighborhood, have the right friends, have the right values, be happy. And in our pursuit of those things for our kids, we can threaten what will make them truly come alive. In our pursuit of those things for our kids, we can settle for something far less significant than what God has for them. Listen, those things may be important, but they are not what's most important. Moses knew what was most important to God was my, our, your, your children's faith in him. Moses knew that that wouldn't happen automatically, that, that, that that wouldn't automatically be what was most important to their children in the future. It took 40 years in the desert for the people that Moses was ad addressing to develop the faith that they now had. So before they enter the promised land, he takes a moment and speaks directly to the parents and he goes, guys, you've got to become intent. You've got to become intent about prioritizing, transferring your faith to your children and the generations to come. Because it's not going to happen by accident. It's your primary God-given responsibility as a parent. So parents, you've got to know the most important thing to God for your children is for them to have, the most important is for them to have a saving, committed, authentic, intimate, trusting, faith-filled, growing relationship with him through Jesus so that he can transform them into everything he's created them to be 
And so they can experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and purpose that only he can give. Parents, no one has the potential to influence your child's faith more than you. Because that's the way that God designed it. And that's why, parents, he gave you the primary responsibility to lead your children toward Jesus. That's what's most important. And it's the hardest job you'll ever have. So, parents, let me ask you, are you? Are you leading your children toward Jesus? It's, it's an irrelevant question. Who cares? Because you can't change anything in the past. And the question really will be is, will you? Will you lead your kids toward Jesus? Listen, you've got to know doing so doesn't require more time, more special skills, more knowledge. But it does require what Moses told the Israelites it would require. It does require making it your number one priority above all else. I mean, Moses goes, hey, guys, you got to make this your priorities, Lane, and press it upon your kids and press it upon it. Talk about it. Talk about it all the time. Talk about it in the morning, at night, when you're walking along the roads in your home. Put symbols everywhere so that, so that you remember to talk about it, so that it brings up conversation, so it reminds them of your heavenly Father. Do everything to commit your body and your home to this. Don't forget. Don't forget. He's saying prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. And so what I want to do for the rest of the time we have, is I want to give you a few suggestions of things I think are important to prioritize to lead our children toward Jesus. And this is not an exhaustive list. It's not a perfect list. It's just some things that have been very helpful to, for me and for other parents to lead children, our children, toward Jesus. However, before I, I launch into these suggestions, I just want to remind you of something I said earlier. Parents, you are primarily responsible for leading your children toward Jesus. But you're not solely responsible. We as the church are responsible too. The church. The two most powerful influences that help, that help lead children toward Jesus are parents and the church. And if we work together, we can make a greater impact than if we work alone. At Relevant, if you're new to, Re if you're new to Relevant, you've got to know this. At Relevant, we're fanatics. We are fanatics about impacting the next generation, about doing everything we can to reach kids and students who don't know Jesus and then inspiring and empowering them to take next steps to follow Jesus. And that's why we are committed to do everything we can to partner with you as parents and, and help lead your child toward Jesus. And we always will be committed to this because we believe the faith of the next generation. Well, it's worth everything. That all being said, here is my first suggestion. It is to prioritize environments that expose your children to practical biblical teaching. You've got to know, Jesus did not teach for information. Jesus taught for application. He wasn't satisfied just with saying what was true. He wanted his followers to act on what they heard. And that's why at Relevant, through our Sunday gatherings, through our next-gen environments, we are committed to practical biblical teaching, to teaching the never-changing truths of the Bible in a way that is relevant and applicable to our ever-changing lives, to making faith practical, practical, to teaching the Bible in a way that inspires and empowers people to follow Jesus. At Relevant, we don't believe God gave us the Bible simply for our information. 
salvation. We believe he gave it to us primarily for our transformation at Relevant. We believe practical biblical teaching that, that moves people to follow Jesus one next step at a time is a key ingredient to grow in a relationship with Jesus. So for your child to grow in a relationship with Jesus, to develop a relationship with Jesus and grow and follow Jesus, they need to be in environments that exposes them consistently to practical biblical teaching. Here's my second suggestion. Prioritize other influential voices in their lives. Parents, this is humbling, but you got to know this. You are not the only voice your child needs, and you are not the only voice they will seek. Your child will one day seek affirmation and approval from adults other than you. Studies show that by the time a person is 18, they have had six influential voices in their lives uh, other than their parents that have shaped them into who they are. This is, you got to know this. Parents, you can leave your kids alone to discover random influences who are going to shape their faith. Or you can strategically put other leaders, other, you know, people older than them into their life who will help influence and grow their faith in Jesus. Who will help to say the kind of things that you would say as a parent. They're going to have six voices in their lives before the age of 18. That's going to greatly influence them. Are you going to help pick those strategic voices? So important. And the older they get, the more important this is. I can promise you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. A time will come when you and your child will need another trusted, influential voice in their lives besides you. The voice of a trusted person who will give them a safe place to wrestle through the difficult issues that they're experiencing in life. The question you and I have to ask as parents is, will they have a trusted leader? Will my kid have a trusted adult, a trusted leader in their lives before they need them? So that they're there when they need them. Because if you wait until when they need them, it's too late. Will they have a voice in their life before they need them so that they're there when they need them? This is so important. At Relevant, we think it's so important. We call it widening the circle. That we got to be strategic about widening the circle of influence in our children's life. And it's why we are so committed to try to get every child and every team into a small group with a small group leader who can be an influential voice in their lives. And guys, this has been a game changer for my kids. My younger daughter, Reese, she's a freshman in, in high school. And this last year, she was really struggling with some things. She was struggling with some things emotionally. She was struggling with some things mentally. We had no idea. She was struggling like she was. She didn't share anything with us. And she didn't share anything with us because she don't, didn't know how to share it with us. She was nervous to share it with us. And we, you know, she's connected with her small group and her small group leader. And she ended up having many conversations with her small group leader. And her small group leader helped guide her of saying, honey, I can help you on how to tell your parents. You need to tell your parents because they want to get you the help that you need. And so our Reese ended up you know, through the help of her small group leader, ended up communicating this to us, and we ended up getting the help that she needed, and we still may not know if she never would have shared it with her small group leader. And who knows where my kid would be right now. I have no earthly idea. My kids, they don't ever talk to me. They used to, but now they're brats. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, how come you don't talk to me? And yet they'll just share everything with their small group leader, and, and the longer that that's happened, you know what? I'm so glad. I'm glad they're just sharing with someone. I'm glad they're sharing because I know they have a voice in their life that's helping them lead them toward Jesus. Not as good as my voice because I'm a pastor and I know everything, but it's a good voice. <laughs> they're like, Ted, you know nothing. I'm like, awesome. That's okay. 
Listen, these first two suggestions, prioritize environments that expose them to practical biblical teaching and prioritize, you know, other influential voices in their lives. These two first suggestions is why I encourage you as parents not to make our next-gen environments an option for your kid. Our next environment, Sprouts, that's birth through pre-K, Roman kids, K through fifth grade, uh, rooted, middle school, Youth United High School. Listen, these are the environments that are for them. This is where they experience practical biblical teaching that's practical specifically for them in their lives. And they're connected into a small group with a small group leader who can walk beside them, who can love them, and who can be an influential voice in their life if they allow them to be. Listen, we do the best job we can to make these you know, environments exceptional. Your kid will love some of what they do, but they won't love all all of it. And you know why? Because they're kids. And you have to decide, man, what is priority in my life, in their life, for their faith? Here's my third suggestion. Prioritize them having a ministry of their own. A ministry of their own where, where, where something is expected of them, where they serve sacrificially, where they give the best of themselves. By the way, research shows that teens serving in this way is significantly more closely related to faith development than attending worship services and Bible studies, just so you know. All you have to do is look at the people who are now in their mid and late 20s who grew up at Relevant to see this. The people who are in their mid and late 20s who grew up at Relevant who are now in a thriving, growing relationship with Jesus and are being more transformed to who God created them to be, you look back and those are, the, those are the ones that had a ministry of their own when they were students here and something was expected of them and they were giving of themselves. Man, you know why? Because this instills a sense of mission and a sense of purpose in their life that's transformational. Our children will never believe they're significant until we give them something significant to do. You ever wonder why so many high school students drop out of church after they graduate? Parents, come on. Listen to this. You ever wonder why? I believe it's because they were never given the opportunity to be the church when they were growing up in the church. We're not okay with that at Relevant. Which is why in our next-gen ministries, we try to get every, every student to serve down. Their high school students to serve down either in Rooted, Relevant Kids, or Sprouts. If they're a middle school student to serve down in, in Relevant Kids or Sprouts. And guys, this has been transformational for my kids. My older daughter, Grace, is, is going to be a junior in high school. And she's been a, a Relevant Kids small group leader for many years. And man, it's been so fun just to watch how God has used her to impact those children's life. And man, you, I mean, she's having significant impact in their life and she loves them and they love her and this has become transformational for her. I mean, my kids on Sunday morning, just like your kids, if I, like, hey guys, you gotta get up, we gotta get to, you know, the Sunday gatherings and they're like, dad, you're preaching. I'm like, yeah, they're like, can I just stay home? You know, and they don't wanna just come and sit. Like, yeah, we fight with all of our kids are doing that but let me tell you what, my, my kids serve in relevant kids two, three, four times a month and they will not miss it. I don't even have to argue with them. They won't miss it. They'll sacrifice whatever they got to be to be here because they know God's using them and they want to see their small group of who they're having influence with. It's transformational, guys. Here's my fourth suggestion. Prioritize having spiritual conversations with them. Conversations that help open their mind and heart to God. Conversations that lead them toward Jesus. Conversations they can express their doubts and fears and hopes. Listen, these conversations don't have to be super deep. You don't, 
These conversations, you know, don't depend on you knowing all the answers to the questions. These conversations honestly don't require more time in your day. These conversations just require being intentional with our time with our kids. There's already some natural rhythms in life. There's meal time, there's car time, there's bedtime when you're younger, there's bath time. It's about being intentional in those times of the things we're already doing, being intentional to have spiritual conversations in those moments. Now, I get it. Most of us don't know how to start these conversations or what questions to ask. Well, we're here to help. We have been and we're continuing to develop great tools for parents on what we call the Parent Q app. If you're a parent right now, there's a QR code going on the screen. You need to go scan that. It'll take you to a, a page that explains how to download it. You need to download We have all kinds of tools for parents uh, on this on this. Uh, on this app, and we're continuing to develop more and put more on there uh, with, our, with our partners that we have all over the country. There's many about how to start spiritual conversations. And, and, and listen, if you're, a middle, if, you're, if, if you're a parent of a middle school or high school student, we put three questions on that app every week based on what was taught at Rooted or Youth United that you can talk to your kids throughout the week. So there's all kinds of stuff in that outside of the app. Listen, if you have a kid in Sprouts or Relevant Kids, we have all kinds of cool stuff there. If you have a kid in Sprouts, you get a placemat every single month that goes along with the theme of what we're talking about that month. That as you're having, you know, mealtime with your kids, it gives you questions to ask your child right there. Both in Sprouts and Relevant Kids, we give you a, a, a mirror hanger that goes in your car, a car hanger that you can put on your rearview mirror that has three questions that you can ask all month long based on the theme of what's being taught all month long. Uh, Relevant Kids and Sprouts sends an email out every single a week with three questions of what was talked about on that on that morning that these are ways to help you and things that you can engage to start these spiritual conversations now listen here's the reality to make these first four suggestions that i just gave you a priority it does require establishing a rhythm and you know what rhythm is rhythm is simply how we arrange our time Rhythm sets certain expectations and eliminates others. Rhythm silently but significantly communicates what's most important. Rhythm dictates what the priority is. Things that become part of our rhythm are the things our children will believe are most important. Parents determine what's the priority by the rhythm they establish in their homes and in their lives with their children. So parents, let me ask you. Does your family rhythms prioritize leading your children toward Jesus above all else? Or does your rhythm prioritize sports, work, school, something else above all else? Listen, if, you're, if your rhythm treats God like fine china, you know, any of us who have china, right? He's valuable but doesn't come out all that much in daily life. If your rhythm treats God like fine china, then your, your and your child's faith is not what's the most important. And let me tell you what. Your kids will know it. Your kids will know that's not what's most important. So establish the rhythm with these first four suggestions so that they become part of your kids' rhythm. If they become part of their rhythm, it's much more likely to become a priority, their faith being a priority to them. All right, I have one more suggestion. I'm going to close with this. And this is the most important one. If you don't do anything else, parents, we've got to do this one. This is not even a suggestion. This is a we all got to do it if we want to lead our kids toward Jesus. And it's this. Prioritize your relationship with Jesus above all else. 
right before Moses suggested what parents should do with their kids in the future, he said, said something of significant importance first. Here's what he said. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you to be upon your heart. Moses was explaining that this has to be in you before you can expect it to be in your children. Moses was implying that before you can ask who your children are becoming, you have to examine who you are becoming first. If we want to lead our children toward Jesus, we must make it a priority to make faith personal in our lives first. Your relationship with Jesus is and will impact your child's faith more than you and I will ever know. If you want it to be in them, it's got to be in you first. Listen, when it, comes to your, when it comes to faith, your kids are watching you in a way they might not watch you in any other pursuit. And you know what? Kids have an amazing fake detector. Parents, we need to let our kids see us struggle and see us grow. They need to see our authenticity and our transparency. Whatever you want your children to become, you should honestly just strive to become as well first. If you want them to make church a priority, then you need to be engaged. If you want them to respect leaders, then watch your attitude. If you want them to admit their mistakes, then say you're sorry when you make them. If you want them to be selfless, then being involved, volunteer. If you want them to be generous, then give generously. If you want them to pursue God, then get alone with God. If you want them to be honest, then when you sin, just admit it. If you want, it, if you want them to follow Jesus, then take next steps to follow Jesus. If you want them to love God, then you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength first. <laughs> Parents, this is humbling, but it's true. Your kids already have a front row seat to your life. My kids have a front row seat to my life. The question is, what are they watching? Will they see the type of faith in you that you and your heavenly father wants them to have? If you want your children to have it in them, they need to see it in you. My button's undone. So listen, if you're, an, if you're a parent and you said, I want my kids to have that faith in Jesus, but I've never, I've never put my faith in Jesus. I've never asked Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins and leader of my life. That's where this starts for you now, today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. That's the, before we leave here, and that's the most significant decision you'll ever make for you. and Maybe the most significant decision you'll ever make for them. Parents, Parents are primarily responsible for leading their children toward Jesus. So let me ask you a question I asked earlier. When it comes to your child's faith, what destination do you want them to arrive at? If you want them to have a growing relationship with Jesus so that they're transformed into everything he's created them to be, my question for you is, what should you begin to prioritize to lead your child toward Jesus? Could be something I suggested, could be something totally else. Whatever it is, I encourage you to begin doing it as soon as possible and make it a consistent rhythm. Not because doing so comes with any guarantees, but by doing so, you'll be inviting Jesus into your and your child's life. And when we invite him in, is when he does the transforming work only he can do in you and in them. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I... Uh, uh, <laughs> 
parenting is so hard. <laughs> and you give us such a huge responsibility. And so, Lord, I just pray that as parents we take whatever next step you're kind of prodding in us to take today. And through it, you do the work that only you can do. And I pray for the young people who are listening today. I pray they choose to make their faith the priority in their life. And through that, Jesus, you transform them more. For every person who, whether they're a parent or not, who, as a second ago, as I talking about putting their faith in you, Jesus, who they say, I've never done it and I want to. I pray that in this moment, right where they're at, in this room or at home, they choose to do that. That right now, Jesus, they say, I need a Savior. And I believe, Jesus, you can be that Savior because of your death and resurrection. So right now, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the forgiver of my sins. I'm asking you to be my, faith, my Savior. And I'm declaring that I want to follow you, Jesus. That I want you to be the leader of my life. That I want you to be my Lord. Lord, I thank you for the people who are praying that right now. And I pray that your spirit comes and takes residence in them. And the transforming work that only you can do begins right now. In Jesus' name, amen.